Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. All right, who's ready for the Word? Are you ready? Come on, can we stand to our feet for a moment? You know, before my wife comes up to speak, I just wanted to say this, that one of the core values of our church is we are a house of honour. Um, honor actually has to be intentional. It's rarely I I accidentally honored someone. I've never found myself accidentally honoring someone. I always had to intend to do it. And um, I I hope that whoever speaks in our church, whether it's the person doing the offering message, by the way, can we give Andrew a huge hand for that? Isn't that great? Whether it's one of the pastors on our team, whether it's a, a guest speaker from another place whether it's myself or my wife, I pray that we just have that honouring spirit to say, man, I'm, I'm about to receive God's Word. And I know this person has laboured. I know this person has prayed. I know this person lives it. We don't let anyone up on this pulpit who doesn't live what they speak. And um, But one of the things I want to encourage you about, about um, my wife as she comes up to speak, is we've almost been married 18 years um, in June of this year. But there's almost no one on planet Earth, I don't think of anyone that I know who seems to discern the voice of God like she does. Throughout our dating life and our married life, she just had this weird, keen sense of when something was God, when it wasn't God. And there's so many times I go, God, honey, I think this. She's like, I'd pray about that a little more. I'm like, God, dang it. So I want you to lean in. I, I believe... You know, anytime I go to a conference, I, I take notes of that conference because I don't want to just leave the conference and go, what do you say again? What if the Lord gave you, what if He gave you a phrase that would change your life? So I just want to encourage you to lean in and take a note. If, if the person next to you need to borrow a pen, borrow a pen, write it on someone's eyebrow. Do whatever you've got to do to just remember God's words. So can we honor my wife as she comes up to speak to us today? I found out today at three o'clock. So uh, thank you, honey, for making sure I stay ready. That's, uh, that is interesting because uh, the word of the year is go for us, but I always have a subtitle to the word of the year for my life. And I felt the Lord speak really clearly to me that my subtitle was stay ready. And uh, here I am, here we are, <laughs> three o'clock PM. Can we pray actually before we get into it? these next 30, 40 minutes because these are your sons and daughters and so Father, I pray that I steward this time 
well and for your honor and your glory alone. I pray that the word of the Lord that is about to be preached, Father, that it would just penetrate deep the soul and heart and mind. I thank you, you are so, so good. I thank you that you are, that you speak to us, that you lead us and that you guide us. Even when we don't understand, you are leading us by the hand. So we thank you, Father. We welcome your spirit, your voice, your touch in this place. Father, we just... Any distractions, Father, we ask it to be silent, to be ceased, Father, that your name, your glory, your renown would be magnified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You can sit. You may be seated. Well, the main scripture of this theme for our year, Go, is out of John chapter 15, 16. And I love the amplified version. A lot of people say it's the female version because there's so many words to it. But it says like this, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have appointed and placed and purposely planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name as my representative, he may give to you. Last year, when we announced the word of the year was overcome, I remember specifically my husband prophesying over our church, over our worship team, over himself, over the various leaders, business leaders, entrepreneurs, saying that songs were going to be written out of this house, that books were going to be written out of this house, that dreams, that jobs, that homes, that he was, in a sense, making the atmosphere ready for what we're riding on today. And I felt so strongly, even today, I texted my husband, which is, I think, the reason why he told me to preach. <laughs> why do I do those things? I felt so strongly in my spirit that the Lord said that we are turning a page, we are starting a chapter of significant reaping of what we've been sowing for years faithfully through prayer, through fasting, that we were to, we are going to see significant reaping. Significant was the word. During worship, I couldn't help but sense, I saw a clear picture, and this happens often to me in worship. I literally saw a dam releasing. I literally saw a picture of a dam releasing its waters, and it's just like, that is the season that I believe Church Alive is walking in right now. A season of his glory, a season of his power, a season where we've sown and sown for years faithfully. We've prayed, we've discipled, we've empowered, and now we are riding the waves of what it will look like to reap the harvest of our faithfulness. But, I knew that was coming. I felt a check in my spirit at the same time. He said, Miriam, 
felt this about two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe it's been a month. I'm terrible with lyrics and I'm terrible with time. I felt a real check in my spirit. He said, Miriam, it's coming, but you got to warn them, Miriam. Miriam, I'm going to warn you, Miriam. Warn Anthony, Miriam. Warn the pastors, the leaders, the church, the people who will listen. Warn them that although the sowing is coming, it is imperative and important that they remember that the sowing, the dreams fulfilled, the things, the promises that are to be given to us, remember them, remind them, teach them. It is all for my glory and my glory alone the books the songs the jobs the promotions the titles the degrees the bank accounts it's all for his glory it's all for his glory for his name to be made known, for his renown, his kingdom to advance. And I felt so confident in that my assignment tonight is to lovingly, yet cautiously and passionately remind us that all of our success, all of our growth, all that we are in our personal, professional, and our spiritual lives must be lived out for the glory of God. Because if we hold glory for too long that doesn't belong to us, it will all come crashing down before us. And we need to refuse to be a casualty of our own pride. Too many incredible men and women of God are casualties of their own pride. Too many incredible politicians, business leaders, teachers, because of their own pride, they started off well, but they kept the glory for themselves. We are not created to maintain the glory of God. We were created to give it away, to be the light. No dream, no promotion, no house, no money, no relationship status, no degree and no title will ever fully satisfy us. Because God has created us to only fully be fulfilled when our lives are bringing glory to him alone. Look at the celebrities, look at the athletes. They have all the accolades, the titles, the trophies, the cars, the women, the men, whatever, they have it all. Yet they're high on drugs. Yet they're committing suicide, yet they're unhappy. Why? Isn't that the goal? All the achievements and the money? No, we were created for his glory and his glory alone. Isaiah 43, 7 says, bring all who claimed me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. The enemy loves for us to live with counterfeit fulfillment, fake fulfillment. He will tease us with how good it feels when we get the applause and glory for something. That instead of taking that glory and honor and applause and returning it to the Lord, we start storing some of it in our ego. It starts creating an entitlement in our spirit, in our flesh. And before we know it, what was once humble reliance before God, what was once living for the applause of heaven, what was once living for the glory of God is now pride, 
ungodly power, arrogance, self-indulgence, selfishness, greed, and envy. The need to be known, the need to be seen, the need to be elevated. Be careful for what you covet. True fulfillment is not in what you obtain. Look at everything around you, the people that are running towards things. I am not bashing goals and dreams and success. They are godly. Having dreams and having goals and, and, and reaching for things and whatever it is that is in your heart, that is not what I'm talking about. Those are good things just as long as they're done for the glory of God just as long as it's done for the glory of God. The enemy wants you to think fulfillment is what you feel after you obtain something, but true fulfillment is only found in your life bringing glory to God. So what is the glory of God? How do we live for his glory? How do we glorify God? Well, let me first start with explaining as much as I can, as brokenly as I can, what the glory of God is. I heard a preacher once say that explaining the glory of God, it's like trying to explain beauty. It's almost indescribable. You can't, you, you can take someone to an ocean and be like, see, that's beautiful. You could take someone to the top of a mountain and be like, see that scenery, that's beautiful. But you can't really put your finger on beautiful. You can just give examples of beautiful, right? Like you can't really, like you look, you hold a newborn baby and wow, captivating, beautiful. But you can't really like, like a basketball. All right, it's orange, most of them. Has some lines, it bounces, it goes in a hoop, hopefully some of the times, you know? And you can explain certain things, like I can explain my Bible, but glory, it's hard to explain. You see, the glory of God is his splendor. It is his beauty, it is the weight of his presence. When you are in the presence of God and you feel that holiness, that perfection, you feel the amazingness, the awesomeness that you can't even put into words, that is the glory of God. It is his beauty, it is his splendor, it is his power, and you really can't describe it. That's why we have to use a million words and we still can't hit it on the head. That is the glory of God. It's his majestic sense of his presence. It's the beauty that emanates from his flawless, perfect, holy character. When we talk about the glory of God in this context, we're talking about his beauty, his majesty. So then what does it mean to give or to bring glory to God? And is that different from living for his glory? Two questions. What does it mean to give or to bring glory to God? And is it different from living for his glory? Yes. Living for the glory of God is different than giving him glory. To give God glory is to give him honor, praise. When someone says, let's give God the glory, we clap our hands, we shout, we dance, we holler him down. And that's great. I can give God glory in a speech. I can give him glory in a song after an accomplishment. Again, I feel like I'm hitting on the celebrities tonight. But you'll hear them, oh, you know, you got your trophy. I just want to give God all the glory for this trophy. You know, if it wasn't for God giving me these achievements. But their life is not living for his glory. 
in a moment they gave God glory, but are they living for his glory? That's the difference. In a moment in praise and worship, we can give God glory, but God wants those moments. Those moments are incredible. Those moments are powerful, but God is not just looking for a moment. He's looking for a people who will live a life of glory for his name because he's worthy of it. Yes, we can give God glory in a moment. We can go to church twice a year, christen a baby, and do all these things for his glory. But are you living for his glory? That is the difference. That is the difference. And with our vision word, go, it is important that we learn how to live for his glory as we go. As you go start a business this year, as you go write beautiful music that will impact the world in Jesus' name, as you go write more songs, babe, I mean, more, more books, babe, as you go, I was like, you don't write songs, honey. What do you do again? <laughs> well, you could try. You could try. Maybe you and Max can do like a session together or something, you know? <laughs> as you go, as you go, go for his glory. I pray that as leaders and pastors, we're able to disciple you, equip and empower you to succeed in your family, your workplace, your business, and your thinking, and your finances, and all the dreams of your heart, but not for your glory. If we teach you success, if we give you all the steps of transform, which are transformative, if we give you all the ways to succeed in your quiet time, to be an amazing father, an amazing mother, an amazing politician, an amazing doctor, an amazing nurse, yet we don't teach you that it is for the glory of God, we failed you. Because we will remain unfulfilled. How many Christian men and women are running hard after the accolades and the successes of this world and they get to the end and they've left the Lord because they forgot to go and take his glory. Success is great, but it can be dangerous. Even for those in the house of God, because if we're not submitted to living for his glory, it will break us. It will leave us high and dry. Success is incredible as long as we give him the glory through it. Living for the glory of God is living to bring him praise. It's not a one-time action. It's a lifelong assignment. It's a way of life. It is a posture of our heart. It's recognizing who the author of our life is, who the giver of our gifts and talents is. It's recognizing why and who we were created for. It's living entirely for his applause and checking our hearts when we get the applause. Here's the thing I want to make very clear. Honor is biblical. My husband actually talked about it right before I came up. It is biblical. We are living in times that dishonor is rampant. We don't honor our teachers. We don't honor our leaders. We don't honor anybody. We just honor ourselves. And if anyone tries to dishonor us, we'll knock them out. Yet we don't honor anybody. Honor is biblical. We are to give honor where honor is due. And even if it's not due, be honorable people by honoring the people who are dishonorable. However, when we receive the honor, it's what we do when we get the honor that makes a difference. Do you hold the honor to yourself and build a little shrine inside of your soul for yourself? Or do you give the honor back? 
Or do you give the honor back to the Lord? Now, don't be those Christians like, oh, man, you did such a good, oh, bless your brother. It was all the Lord. Did it all for me. Like, I'm not talking about, like, being obnoxious. Like, you could say thank you. And in your spirit, you could be like, God, thank you. I give you all the honor. Another thing you could do is just turn around, honor that person right back. Well, man, you're such a blessing. Remember, honor is important. Give honor where honor is due, but don't keep it to yourself. We are not meant to keep anything to ourselves. We're to be givers, generous of our honor. Living entirely for the applause of heaven sounds really good even in our songs, even in church, amen, sister, preach it. But then when it comes time to live it, it's hard for us all. It's hard for me. I might assume it's hard for you because the enemy knows just like he did not pass that test because he was a worship leader in heaven himself. And he wanted God's glory for himself and he allowed pride to kick him out of heaven and make a devil out of him. Glory. It's God's alone. Living for his glory is living for his purpose and his will over ours. You know, you're becoming a mature Christian, a mature person in your faith, when you can go in your prayers from God, give me my heart's desires to God. I want your heart's desires. It's not wrong to pray, God, I want my heart's desires. It's not wrong to pray, I want that promotion. I want that house. I want that man. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something to our faith when we go from what I want to, you know what, Lord? You know what's best. I want what you want. In your time, in your direction, in your pace, God. Not my pace, not my time, not the way I want it. Because you know best. How many of us have gotten ourselves into trouble because we've been hasty with waiting on God? And then we're like, what was I thinking? Something happens in our faith. We go from baby toddler Christian to mature Christian when we go from Lord give me the desires of your heart so how do we do that how do we live for the glory of God number one it will require a full commitment to him not part-time not partial not a little bit no a full commitment to him first Corinthians chapter 10 31 says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of God This is, not, this is not a call for people to become those obsessive, fanatic Christians that everything they do, ooh, if I should take a sip of water, Lord, is it your will? Should I take a sip of, like, don't, no, no, no. Because <laughs> there are people who, like, you know, like, they need a little help because that's their, that's their thing. No, 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 he's talking about, Father, my life, wherever you want me to go, wherever you want me to build, however you want me to build it, I want to do it to give you glory because you gave me the breath in my lungs. You gave me the ability. You gave me the vision to see that thing come to pass. So, Father, I want you to be glorified in my life. Whatever that looks like, however it looks like, even if it's hard because it most likely will be. If it's worth it, it's most likely going to be hard to get there. Easy things are normally not valuable things sometimes. 
Number two, how do we live for the glory of God? It's regular surrender. Gosh, there's a lot of things that I grew up, you know, I grew up in the church, amazing parents, amazing thing. But, you know, I didn't love sometimes the religious spirit sometimes that was, you know, part of that church and amazing in so many ways. But one thing I loved that I learned, the regular times of hearing about surrendering to God, the regular altar calls as a teenager coming to the front and saying, God, here I am, use me. I was 14, 15, 16 years old, praying those prayers at the altar, surrendering my will, surrendering my desire. I had dreams, I had different things, and I remember being 15 years old at the altar in my dad's church, I was a kid, and I already was so hungry to just do whatever it is he wanted with my life. It made no sense, but I was hungry. I was surrendered because I knew he was bigger than me. He could see ahead than I could, and so I just lay surrender before him, and this is an invitation for you to to daily, whenever you seek the Father, say, Lord, if there's anything in me that I have not surrendered, I lay it at your feet because you know what is best. Matthew 6, 10, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples. This is a way of surrender where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I daily say this, Father, your will be done in my life as it is done it is in heaven. Your will be done in my family, in my household, in the leaders that I lead and mentor, in the families that I pray for. God, your will be done in their household as it is in heaven. That's surrender. You know, this assignment far away. I was like, you wouldn't do that. I'm going to reap the reward of all my hard work and like my labor and my fasting and my protecting and my fighting for this assignment. I was like, you wouldn't do that to me. He's like, would you surrender and let this assignment go? That was a hard question because that assignment was mine. I had labored for that thing. I had prayed for over a decade for that thing. I was waiting to see the reward of my hard work because rewards are good. The Bible says we will be blessed for obedience. I didn't realize it had become an idol. That reward, oh, I can't wait to see the fruit of my reward. <laughs> I can't wait. And he said, will you let it go? I was like, well, maybe. It depends if I'm just saying yes, but you're not really going to do anything. <laughs> How many of us do that? Like, Lord, sure, take it off, but you're not really going to, right? Take, take, take it off. No. And I remember having to do business with God on my floor in my bedroom. I was like, Lord, it would suck if you did that. But I got to trust you more than this assignment. I got to trust you more than this thing I've been waiting for. This reward, this, this fruit that I've been waiting to see. I got to trust you more. And I finally got to a place in my heart. Didn't take very long because I trust the Lord where I was like, I surrender. And I had to remind myself of a conversation that Abram had with God before he was promoted to fatherhood. 
he goes to Abram before he became Abraham and he says, Abram, I am your exceedingly great reward. If anything else takes the place of God's reward in our life as God alone, then we have created idols. He is our exceedingly great reward. And we've got to get to a place in our faith that it's not the things of this world that bring us fulfillment. It is God himself. It is the glory of God. Can I have the keyboard? He is our exceedingly great reward. Go for his glory. Go surrender that relationship that you badly want. Lay it down for his glory. That desire, that dream, until you know your heart is in a place that says, yep, I don't need this to be fulfilled because I've got God. Number three, examine your heart. You'll hear me preach about examining your heart probably in every message. The heart is essential for out of it flows all things of life. An unhealthy heart is an unhealthy everything. Examine your heart. Ask the Lord to search your heart. Ask him to expose anything that is not bringing him glory. One of the scariest things you could ever pray is God expose me. Why would you say that, Miriam? Because I so desperately want to be in the center of God's will that God forbid there is anything inside of my spirit that is not of him. I'm regularly like, Lord, prune me. It's gonna suck, but do it. Like, prune me. There's no place like being right in the center of his will. There's no place in living for his glory. There's nothing like it because it is where true fulfillment abides. Search my heart, God and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Ask him to purify your heart. What's the motivation of your heart in leadership? What's the motivation of your heart in your classroom if you're a teacher? What's the motivation of your heart? And, and maybe you start off well, but in three months, check it again. In six months, check it again. In a year, check it again. What is the motivation of your heart? You could have started serving and leading with pure intentions, but then it became about me. Who's going to serve me? Where's my reward? Who's going to promote me? Who's going to share my picture? Who's going to share my message? Who's going to like me on social media? Who? Me, me, me. Living for the glory of God is not about me, but the good news is he's for you. And so he loves you and he blesses you and he anoints you and appoints you for purpose. He anoints you and appoints you to go bear fruit. This message is not against you. It is for you because I want you to live in the fulfillment of the glory of God. But without understanding the weight of his glory, you will always run this race after things that don't fulfill. If you receive correction from a leader in your life and you can't take it, then you need to examine your heart. You need to recognize that refusing to be offended and being a teachable person is to live for the glory of God. I, we have some friends who are pastors and going through a rough time and they were telling us 
like some of the drama sometimes in their serving teams, like the ushering teams and, and just stuff like, and they're just like, can you believe the way these people talk to each other? I was like, what? People have lost sight of what it means to serve God for his glory. We don't serve on teams for our glory. We don't serve on teams so we can become a leader. We serve on teams because we believe there's a heaven and we believe there's a hell and we believe in salvation and transformation and deliverance and freedom. We serve because we love him and he loved us first. We gotta get our hearts straight. We gotta examine our hearts and say, Father, have I missed it? Have I been living for my own glory? Have I been living for my own accolades? someone next to you. I just need a sip. <sighs> Lastly, number four, invite them to the whole party. I love a good party. In certain parties that you go into like a wedding party, it normally starts off with the ceremony. And then after the ceremony, you go to a cocktail hour. After the cocktail hour, you go to the reception and then there's some dancing. I love dancing. By the way, may not be good at it, but I love to dance. After that, then there's the dessert place. I find that so often when it comes to God, we allow him in certain parts of the party, but not the whole party. He wants to be a part of the whole party. Jesus knew how to party, like in a good godly way, okay guys? Don't let go, like Pastor Mary said, Jesus likes to party. No, no, live for his glory. <laughs> Mama said, as we go this year, go for his glory, not your own. Does that mean we should not desire things for us and our family? Does it mean we should not desire promotions? Maybe you're dreaming of owning a home. Maybe you have a home and you're dreaming of a bigger home or a bigger career. Does that mean you can't desire and want that? No, it means desire them just as long as you remember as you go, you go for his glory. You go with gratitude for who gave you the ability. Living for his glory is not just saying once, God, I give you glory for this house, for this promotion. Yes, do that, but continue to bring him glory in it. Let those blessings produce more blessings. Let it keep bearing godly fruit. Here's the thing. When you're living for God's glory, you just keep bearing more fruit. You just keep bearing. Don't get to later in Christianity where you've stopped bearing fruit because you've gotten bitter, because you've stopped surrendering, because you've stopped examining your heart. One of my favorite people is 84-year-old Dan who comes to church. 84-year-old Dan who comes Sunday morning at 9 a.m. It is refreshing to see a man of God who has not lost his fire for God. That man lives for the glory of God. You hear it in everything that he says. Remember servanthood and generosity, which should be the posture of our heart towards God and his people. We're to serve one another with our gifts and blessings. With leadership comes more responsibility to love and serve those entrusted to us. If you're in politics, 
Don't do it for the name on your platform, but do it for his platform. Do it to make a difference for the kingdom of God and to bring him glory. And we are living in such a time that we need godly politicians who will stand for the morality of God's word. And we have some godly politicians in this church, by the way. If you are married, serve each other for the glory of God because there will be days that your, your love for each other will run out. And you will need to live for the glory of God to stay faithful and loyal. If you are dating, do it for the glory of God. Glorify God in how you honor each other's body, each other's mind, each other's heart. And your friendships. You know, we don't talk a lot about friendship in church sometimes. We talk about fellowship, like transform groups. Friendship is biblical. How we steward each other, how we steward our friendship is biblical. Anthony was talking about giving honor to where honor is due. Your relationships need to be honored and cultivated. If all of your relationships are one-sided, if, if everyone's just you and pouring into you and you're not giving back, that is not being a good steward of the people God's placed in your life. Glorify God with your time, your speech, your thought life. Invite him to the whole party, every part of it, the internal, the external, the deep and the shallow, the fun and the serious. Invite him in because this is what we were created for. Will it be hard? Oh, heck yeah. It will be hard. The wrestle, the struggle, the tension, as we get promoted in the things of God. God, why did you promote him and not her? God, why did you promote her and not me? God, why is this one being celebrated and I'm here being hidden in the corner? Being hidden in God is the safest place you could be. You do not want a platform until you're ready for it. You do not want exposure into the world until your character can hold you there. Don't desire the things that God's not prepared to put you in yet because it will crush you. Don't envy the person that is going ahead. Don't covet what they have. Trust God's timing. Oh, being hidden in God has been the best place for me. I kind of want to keep going back there. It is a gift, not a punishment, to be hidden in God. The wrestle looks a lot like pride versus humility, my agenda versus God's agenda, my name famous versus his name famous, serve me versus serve others, my ego versus giving it all away. Second Corinthians 5.15, it says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I know this was a heavier message, definitely not a new believer message. So if you're new in here, we're for you, God's for you. And this is like, deep teaching in the sense of like, wow, this is Christianity literally 101, living for the glory of God. He died so that we would live. He died so that we could be free. He died so that we wouldn't have to walk aimlessly like the world without purpose, without hope, without understanding that fulfillment is not in things. Fulfillment is not in the amount of numbers in our bank account. Fulfillment is fulfilling his purpose, which is living for the glory of God. That's what it's about. I pray that every song that comes out of this house, every
every book that comes out of this house, every leader, every business, every entrepreneur, every family would rise up for the glory of God. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Our glory, our power, our honor. He's worthy of it. to Jesus not just like when you come occasionally like oh that felt good no I'm talking about man today I give you my life for the forgiveness of my sins and for the fulfillment of my soul because now I understand that's what I was created for God is not a genie in a bottle he's not just there to give us what we ask for he is there because he's God and we were created for him he was not created for us we gotta get that or else any little thing that happens in our world we're like we blame God no he's the one who carries us through those things he's the one who lifts our head when we can't lift it ourselves all across this room would you bow your heads for a moment if you have not said Jesus I want to give you my life all of it full commitment I want to surrender it to you. I want to give it to you today. I, I, I decide today that I will commit to follow you as a disciple, as a son and daughter. I know this sounds intense, but just like Andrew said before, just trust a little bit. All you need is a little bit of faith right now. All you need is faith the size of a mustard seed to believe in this God, and he can revolutionize your life. So all across this room, if you want to make business with God, you want to give your life to him. Can you just lift your hands so I can see it? I see all those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands here. I see those hands back there. That hand there. I see those hands there. It's awesome. I'm going to ask you to put it down. I'm going to count to three. If you raised your hand, and even if you didn't and you feel compelled to, I want you to raise it real high just so I could see it. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus is Savior and Lord, then we will be saved. So all across the street, you can put your hands down. I'm going to count to three. If that was you, I want you to raise it real high so I can see it. Nobody else. One, two, three. All across this room, if you're giving your life to Jesus, I want to see. It's awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome. And then we're going to pray this prayer together. Father, I thank you that you are God and that I am not. I give you my life. I surrender to you today. I ask you for the forgiveness of sins. I ask you to be the father of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you did that today, we have a gift for you as you walk out. It's a Following Jesus resource book. It'll help you. It'll point you through what it means to follow Jesus. We have a team here that wants to help you on that journey. Come back tomorrow morning. We have those three services, 9, 11, and 1, and we're back at night. But right now, we're going to open the altar. If you've never come to the altar and said, God, I surrender my life, my business, my dreams, my new aspirations, my new thing. If you've never done that, if you want to come, search your heart. If you want to come and surrender. If you want to come and just pour it all out. We want to invite you to come and do business with God up here. We want to invite you. You can stay at your seat. You can kneel at your seat. However you want to do it, come do business with God. Don't leave here today without getting your heart with God. Pastor Magnum and the team can lead. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think, um, I think the atmosphere is right. I think, I think we can worship a little bit longer and our prayer team's going to come up the front. And I've talked a lot about the dependence on the Holy Spirit. And many of you just, I, want, I pray you get released tonight that healing comes your way, that purpose comes your way. But more than anything else, how many know that God knows how to meet your need where you need it? God knows, listen, young people, God knows where to meet your need where you need it. And sometimes I might be saying a bunch of stuff, and I'm not sure I'm connecting to this, but I hope you get it and it teaches you. But more than anything else, I hope it just gives you a hunger for the real and the authentic. And when someone prays for you, I pray that God knows how to speak to you where you need it. God knows how to speak to you guys where you need it. God knows how to heal the things that need healing. Fill the places that need to be filled in Jesus' name. Before I close this part of the service, I do want to just take a moment. Why'd you close your eyes? The Spirit of the Lord is here. That's very, very obvious. If I would say to you today personally, do you know the King? Would you say yes? Would you say no? Would you say I'm not sure? The reason I say that is if, if, if I'm a child of God, I, I should know who my dad is. But there's lots of people that either know they're not a child of God or they're not sure they're a child of God. And so I wanna give you a simple invitation. The Spirit of God is here. He's drawing people right here, right now. If you're not sure you're a child of God or you know you're not a child of God and you say, Anthony, today I desire to be. I feel God drawing my heart right here and right now. I want you to pray a simple prayer with me and it just goes like this. Jesus, come into my life. Say this with me. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Saviour. Be my friend. I turn to you. I trust in you. From this day on, forgive my sin, change my heart, make me your child. I receive your grace right now. And if that's you today, all across this place, quickly, just raise your hand, raise it up high. You, all across this place, raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you. 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 Hands going up all over the place. That's awesome today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Put your hands down. I pray for each and every single one of you that you begin to value Him like you've never valued Him before. 
Speak to them, Lord. Guide them. Plant them. Take them away from things they cannot handle. Set them on your path, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before I ask our prayer team to come, let me just share last thoughts. In Acts chapter 8, the Gentiles receive Christ. They receive the gospel. They're forgiven. They're a child of God. And the apostles come from Jerusalem. And their concern was for them was this. Have you been immersed in the Holy Spirit? That was their concern. Because they knew, they believed, they wanted them to be effective. And so I say to you today, if you need prayer today, yes, you've been forgiven. Yes, you're a child of God. Yes, you've prayed. But have you been surrounded and immersed by the Holy Spirit? So much so that you know that there are different gifts in your life that, yeah, they might be immature and they need some maturity, but yes, they're there. If you've never prayed in heavenly languages before, man, get prayer today. If you've never had a a, a moment where you just felt like God has really, His voice has been so clear to you, make it a priority today. You ready to worship a little longer? I think the team's ready. Are you guys ready? You look ready. All right, you guys can take this away. Come on, let's worship. If you want prayer, come forward. It's going to be.